Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James. Today I'm delighted to be joined by two Physician Associate colleagues and I'll let them introduce themselves. I'm Ian Hannah and I'm a Physician Associate in Neurology. Yeah and I'm Rhys, also a Physician Associate in Neurology and we both work at the Norfolk and Orange Hospital. Perfect. Welcome, Reese. Welcome, Johanna. Really great of you to give up the time to come on the podcast for me. I wanted to make a few episodes that focus on physician associates in different specialties. And I know that urology and surgery as a whole, there aren't many PAs that work in those kind of areas. So wanted to find out how it works for you guys, what you get up to day to day in your uh, jobs in urology, uh, how the departments are using physician associates and what the future might hold. So which of you first started in the department? Like who was first in the doors? Yeah, it was me actually. I uh, started about three years ago, roughly. Um, was it your first job as a physician associate? And what attracted you into urology? Yeah, so I finished in December um, at UEA, then sat the nationals. I think urology was, um, it was always something I was interested in at university. The subjects were always interesting. I enjoyed the mix of surgery and medicine, the combination of the both. I remember my placement there was really good, that the team really kind and helpful. When, and when I finished that there weren't too many jobs around. So I put some feelers out and urology were keen from the very start to employ, they actually employed three in the end, quite keen from the start to employ us. So yeah, all in all, it, it, it they, were, they were keen, we were keen, so. It was a good match then. Yeah. I think it's quite important for, hospitals as well to realize that if they give students a good experience in a certain department it's often in a way for somebody to get a job isn't it i think they had that in mind well it was one of the more organized placements for sure and we got a good mix of going to theater and going to clinics ward stuff um, yeah i think i think they really thought about it and building on that as well we've once since we've been working there we've had students and we tried to sort of reciprocate that to make it more of a welcoming environment for future PAs that want to join. And Johanna why did you pick urology for a job? Very similar reasons the team was just really nice and welcoming and supportive and they were very teachy when I was there and um, the job came out and I hadn't really thought about urology honestly until I saw the job advert um, and then had a look at the job description and it was, seemed really varied with the again surgery medicine mix and I knew one of the PAs at the time working there and I asked her how she was getting on and she only had really positive things to say so I was kind of sold on that front because I just wanted a supportive environment initially. Brilliant thank you so I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day jobs as a physician associate in urology. Yeah sure Um, it's quite nice actually Johanna and I have quite varied roles to, mm-hmm. despite us working in the same department. So my day-to-day would probably, it does vary often, but normally would involve uh, going to theatre to assist with some of the big uh, robotic cancer operations. Um, that's the majority of my workload, so being fast assist with the consultant operating. Aside from that, I do some prostate biopsy clinics and see some patients in PSA clinics occasionally as well. And then with the spare time, sometimes do ward rounds or participate in the on-call service. I have a bit of a different role because I started during the midst of COVID. So 
initially I had to be quite a lot of the ward, um, ward support and through that I gained uh, I think quite a lot of like difficult catheter skills and helped the on-call service more and then I'd say in the last six months I've become independent with flexible cystoscopy clinics which is really interesting it's nice to have something that you're running yourself I've done a couple of these I want to get more involved with the one-stop clinics because I find clinics really interesting which are the two-week wait GP referrals to radiology so you get to see quite a huge range of presentations I guess and um, in the future as well work towards the Botox clinic as well so we have quite different roles actually. Mm. Like I mentioned when we started they employed three of us and they always had it set out (laughs) from the start that we would have separate pathways in a way and that they would obviously converge in some ways and we have some interchangeable skills but they wanted us to be covering all bases between us so yeah I've always kind of veered more towards theatre and I think the others have veered more towards clinics and other uh, and ward and you know it's been it's been a good mix actually I think they've thought of it quite well. That sounds really exciting. Reese. you mentioned robotics in your day-to-day work can you tell me a little bit more about that that sounds really cool. Yeah sure so um, urology were really the pioneers of robotic assisted surgery it's essentially like laparoscopic surgery with a robotic um, device that you sort of attach the robot, the laparoscopic instruments to, and you have you have three arms and a fourth arm for a camera, so you can hold three instruments. And then the surgeon sits on a separate console and interacts with the instruments using sort of a um, a finger device where the the movements of their fingers mimic what is happening to the to the instruments in the inside. So then the surgeon is unscrubbed and performing the operation through the console, which is 3D as well. Um, And then the bedside assistant, which is often my role, is assisting the surgeon sort of changing instruments, putting clips on vessels, cutting, passing sutures, um, you know, doing suction, different retracting, different bits and pieces like that. So we that's the majority of our major cancer operations. So all of our prostatectomies are done robotically. Uh, we've had a robot for about four or five years and we've not done a laparoscopic one since then. All of our partial nephrectomies are done ro- robotically. Uh, sometimes our nephrectomies are done robotically and then the majority of our c- cystectomies are also done uh, robotically. So it gets, gets through a fair number of patients, actually. And Johanna, what does the flexible cystoscopy clinic involve? Um, there's almost two types of them so there's the Czech cancer clinics which I run by myself at the moment so depending on which stage bladder cancer patients have there's different regimes of different times they have to come back to have their bladder checked and if there's a regrowth then you can list them for appropriate intervention as such so there's that side of clinic which is the just the Czech clinics and there's the diagnostics so you're seeing the recurrent UTIs or visible hematuria more for those um, presentations. Brilliant. One of the questions I was wanting to ask you guys and find out a bit more was what are the things you see commonly? What sort of presentations do you see quite a lot of in hospital? What comes up most often? Stones. Um, Yeah. So that is quite, there are some like maybe five very common things, which is by far the majority of what we see. And yeah, stones, well, Presentation being loin pain, yeah. flank pain, um, hematuria, retention. Retention's a big one. Um, 
and probably testicular pain. Yeah, like genital genital issues, testicular pain, penile problems, um, foreign bodies, and <laughs> urethras. Um, it's probably the majority, isn't it? And do you work? just with adults or do you do paediatric urology or is that something separate it, it's it's separate in the norfolk and norwich yeah um so the, there's a paediatric surgical team that sees peds so they would see the if there's a, a paediatric torsion or something it would go to the paediatric team um anything over 18 we would see uh, i know other centers do it differently they have combined teams or and you also mentioned that you get involved with the surgical on-calls, is that right? Yes. So the registrar on-call is usually the first protocol for when patients are referred to urology. And the amount of referrals there is, <laughs> there is for, for the on-call registrar is quite a lot for one person sometimes. So that if there's difficult catheters, they would like us to go and review first and see if we can do them instead, then I'll go do that or just help manage initially seeing and clerking a patient in essentially when they're first referred to. So we'll initially see them and suggest management plans and just try and coordinate everything together. And also additional skills, I guess, reducing paraphimosis that comes up quite often. Mm, uh, there ward, are ward referral types. Ward stuff. referrals. Um, we've also at the end then got the called disposable flexiscope. Uh, so we can, it's almost like an iPad you can take to the bedside if there's a retained catheter or something on a different ward. So we can physically go and help some patients that way if we need to use the flexi for other reasons. Oh, brilliant. One of the things that often comes up when I'm talking to people who don't know much about physician associates or maybe are thinking, do we want to employ one? We're not sure. One of the barriers often is lack of regulation, lack of prescribing rights. Mm -hmm. In your experience, actually doing the job day to day, are either a particular barrier? Um, yes and no. Yes uh, and as no. I'm sure most people, most physician associates in some ways, it, it obviously would be easy to prescribe, wouldn't it? But I think um, once your department is aware of your limitation in that respect, then they put things in place for you to be able to still carry your day job. So, for example, if we're doing a ward round and patient needs to be discharged and they need an EDL doing and they need some TTOs doing, then the team is aware that we could help with the EDL, but the, the F1 or F2 or whoever else is there would have to do the, di the discharging drugs. And everyone understands that. So that's not really a limitation there. Mm -hmm. um, I know sometimes in your flexible cystoscopy mm -hmm. clinics, if you need yeah. something prescribing, it, it can be a bit of an issue sometimes. Yes. <laughs> um, just trying to find someone it's available more, to... It's quite a delay factor. Like people are very yeah. willing and helpful and helpful it's just finding them because it's in a different location or um, yeah i think if there's enough numbers in the team and the team's supportive enough and understands like the limitation then it, it's okay mm -hmm. um, and if the team was well staffed then you wouldn't <laughs> have delays um and everyone's comfortable with you know helping you out so yeah there's ways and means to make it work it just need, needs a bit of thinking yeah. in terms yeah, of cool. planning ahead yeah brilliant I was wondering if there were any resources or any particular advice you might give to perhaps there are physician associate students listening to this, wondering about what specialty they should choose for their first job, or somebody might have just accepted their first job and be about to start in urology. What 
did you find useful at the start? Where did you go to learn things? How did you get through those first few months? Good question. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it is on the job learning, like anything. Yeah. You, you learn by immersion, don't you just being involved? And we already mentioned that neurology conditions are surprisingly few that you see, actually. So it is quite um, efficient to get to grips with them because there's people coming with the same thing and repetition and you become quite aware of how to diagnose and manage and you know investigations and things but there's other resources so BAUS is um the British Association yeah, Urological Surgeons which is um it's a organization that has information for for patients but also professionals as well so it has lots of leaflets that um, that you can give to patients regarding their operations, for example, and it kind of explains it in layman's terms. But it also has it holds professional meetings and comp- there's a BAUS conference every year where people present posters and presentations and updates and resources like that. So we use that a lot, didn't we? I think. Yeah, I, mean, I used BAUS initially to learn. So I found urology going into it especially because we're a tertiary centre as well, that it was so much bigger than I expected. A good tip for anyone starting is I was sent um, our trust guidelines for all urological emergencies. So before I started, I read through those, which helped me just get to terms with what interventions goes, what condition goes to what intervention, et cetera, and what investigations and blood tests you would want to do prior to those. So just to feel like, I was a bit more prepared, but then for more learning around the topic area, BAUS has some really good um, lectures on there. Yeah. But and also the European guidelines are also really good as well. Yeah, European and also the, you know, the Oxford handbooks as well. They were great. Oh yeah, the Oxford they, handbooks. Um, everyone's got one of those in their locker, I think, for this a urology specific one that I think a new edition was published a few years ago. So it's all up yeah, to date with new guidance and things. And I think for people starting in surgery, especially, I know people don't get a huge amount of experience um, if they're if there's interest in theatre specifically um, within a surgical specialty. Just try and get involved in going to theatre whilst you're on placement, or if you've got some free time, you know, holidays and things, trying to see if you can arrange to get a chance to go into theatre to see if it is something you like and whether it is something that you can. Um, see doing as your job because yes we're a surgical specialty but it's you don't have to do surgery being in a surgical specialty if that makes sense so you can go down a different route and do more investigations or diagnostic type things or you can do more surgery and it's it's nice urology because it is varied like that there's lots of different pathways you can pursue is there much scope for private work in urology does your rotor allow that are you thinking of developing anything like that i've not looked into it myself i we do urology is quite unfortunately known for private workers and i think um so we do some operations uh privately for physician associates obviously the concerns doing the majority of the private work in terms of the operations um i have on the other occasion assisted with the operation um 
which are private patients actually we we did run just at the weekend which are private patients coming for the operation in the nhs hospital but they've obviously got insurance or something and um the, then the fees are worked out using nhs resources like that i'm not sure about um independent private work i'm not quite sure what pms do across the country in that regard one of the things you mentioned earlier was about how you try and give the students who come to your department a really good experience whilst they're in urology and try and help them is it something that you enjoy doing yeah um so obviously with the students it it's nice for them to come on to our their, their placement and see a physician associate i know that um we just taught a bunch um of the Year, first years yeah year one uea um students and they very few of them have actually seen a physician associate before so it is nice for them to come to a department where there are pas which unfortunately there's not a huge number at nnn but we're working on that yeah we have also been involved in teaching for uea so they run the um the local pa course and also they have their med school as well so they um, have their student doctors and we've been involved in teaching predominantly catheter um, skills, DRE skills, scrotal examination skills to PA and med students. Um, but we've also gone gone over to the uni to do sort of more formal lectures, um, mostly for PAs on urological topics, um, sort of common presentations or uh, emergency treatments and things like that. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I enjoy teaching the students as well it's always really nice to have them in the hospital and to be able to help and encourage and support them and watch them go from day one on hospital placement all the way to qualified and working with us as colleagues it's really lovely to see that how would you guys sum up the benefits of a pa in urology to the uninitiated well it's the fact that i guess we don't rotate that we become like quite expert in urology for the ward work and the on-call, and then we can assist teaching the juniors skills when the registrars don't have time for that side of things. We become a quite good resource for running lists and clinics that need to, that they're just big waiting lists for as well, so as service provision on that side as well. Um, I think the... I think the flexibility... We'll come back to the flexibility aspect again, that, that would there's a lot of different options available for PAs in urology. It depends what they want, but it also depends what the department wants and how they see your future um, progressing. Because you are there to serve the department at the end of the day, but also you want to be happy in what you're doing. So it's about working out with them what you see you doing best and how they can facilitate that. There's not really a limit to what you can do as long as you have the backing from your department who's willing to train you and facilitate it. And Johanna, you hinted at some of the things you were hoping to develop into. Mm -hmm. To expand a little bit more about either of you, what you think the future holds as a physician associate in urology and what you might be doing in the years to come. Yeah, for sure. So I guess three areas I want to develop into is gaining confidence and going to more of the one-stop clinics, because I think that's a really good environment for a PA because you're surrounded by consultants as well. So there's plenty of people there to do the prescribing and requesting at the moment for us. And also if you're out of your depth, there's someone there to support you, but you're also seeing people independently. Again, another area I want to go into is the Botox list 
which is another service the NNM provides anyway. I'm not sure if all centres do. I don't know about that one. And additionally, uh, there's something called the laser list as well, which is um, you use laser to, I guess, blast as such very small bladder cancers or little growths, which in time might be learning to or assisting your learning to do that list as well. But the, that's the nice thing about our department is they're, they're quite open to what we do. There's no rush as well. Mm. So it's just seeing how things go, isn't it? Um, so I've just started doing more independent prostate biopsy lists. So I haven't quite got a regular list, but I think that's coming, looking at the rotor going forward. I think it looks like I have a regular-ish slot every Wednesday doing prostate biopsies on my own. Uh, which is nice. Um, it's taken a while. I've been on a few courses to sort of train up for that. Um, and COVID kind of stalled that, but it's nice being able to do some extra um, provision there for the service. I think maybe participating more in theatre. Um, I do a lot of assisting at the moment, but perhaps working a way around into being the one performing the surgery. I know it's quite a niche for PAs across surgery. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what levels of independence you can gain in theatre without being a consultant performing the operation. Or so, yeah, I was hoping to work around to try and figure out how how independent you can become in theatre. Can I start doing procedures and operations on my own there, or will I need a consultant? What what operations are feasible for me to do on my own? So I'm working on that actually. Um, we'll see how that pans out. Brilliant. Johanna and Reese. thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. If people have heard this episode, it may have sparked off ideas or questions that they might want to find out more about physician associates working in neurology. Where would you point people to go to find out more? I would encourage them to get in touch with their local urology department. Um, I think I've probably been to most of the ones in the region and they're all such friendly people. They're, they're all willing to help you and I'm sure they'd be happy to facilitate some teaching or um, let you come and shadow them on, in their department. Again, we're always happy to teach and, or, or uh, ask, answer any questions. So you're more than welcome to email us at our, at our trust email addresses if you need any help with that. But more so to, to get into surgery as well, because I know there's not many PAs doing surgery and there's so many surgical specialties out there. So, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, if, you, if you're interested in surgery, try and get into some theatres when you're a student or even when you, if you're you know, qualified, you might be able to still find yourself some theatre time if, if, you're, if you're interested in pursuing that. Uh, thank you so much, guys. And I'll leave your contact details in the show notes of this episode so people can find out how to get in touch with you there. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening as well. I hope you found this episode really useful to find out a bit more about physician associates who work in urology. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm on social media at PA Podcast UK. It'd be great to hear from you uh, if you've got any ideas for future episodes of the podcast, or if you're a physician associate working in a really cool specialty and you want to come on and talk about your job, please get in touch. And I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Physician Associate Podcast.